Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and happy Friday to all of our listeners. Welcome to Real Presence Live. This is Mark Holcraft. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited for our show this morning. And I'm excited with my co-host. This is actually probably more exciting for me than it is for him. I don't know. Uh, okay. Good morning. Good morning, Steve Swanskowski. Good morning, everybody. I'm, I'm, this is why I'm excited, because you all should recognize if you, you're his voice. If you don't, well, that's your problem. No, no, no. No, so I'm excited to be with Steve this morning. Uh, we're both excited for the show. Um, we're excited with our guests. But before we dive into all that, Steve, can you please open us up in prayer? I would love to. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and kindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you for this opportunity to come before you as your sons and daughters, and to serve you, to be a part of the work that you're already doing. We ask that you take these hours, take all that we say, all that we hear, and move it towards your end, your glory. For the glorification of your name, Lord, root in us the, your resurrection, the hope, and the virtue, and the love that comes from that, that work that you've done for our salvation. Mary, our mother, we ask you to and fold us in your mantle of protection as we pray. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Absolutely. For our listeners, I don't know if you've ever been to a retreat or a conference that's been just men. But one of my favorite things in life is to be in these groups of just men. So we're in this room, there's four of us here. And so just to even hear the four men in prayer, I love it. I hope you do too. Um, but this uh, this Real Presence Live is not just for men. <laughs> it's for men and women of all ages. Uh, and I joked earlier, as far as guests, you've recognized Steve's voice. Um, I would think you're going to recognize the voices of our guests this morning as well. Um, if you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves. Good morning. I'm Brad Gray. I'm one of the hosts here on Real Presence Live from time to time. Happy to be here. Hi, I'm Tom O'Keefe. Uh, I'm a, one of the deacon aspirants for the, the Diocese of Fargo, but I've been on an, a number of times with the radio, primarily talking about homelessness as I, as I work at one of the shelters in the, uh, in the Fargo-Moorhead area here. Awesome. Great to have you, Tom and Brad. Yes. Uh, good to see the faces. I also appreciate when we could do it in studio, too. Absolutely. Um, hopefully, you as listeners, you can capture... Uh, Really, the gift of when we get to see each other in this conversation. And this morning, we're doing more of a roundtable discussion on the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. Um, and so surrounding this, I mentioned it's a roundtable discussion, 
But within this, so kind of invite yourself into this. Invite yourself into the roundtable discussion. Um, how often do we say to ourselves, I think to ourselves, gosh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe you don't want to be flying the wall in this conversation. I don't know. Uh, I have a fly swatter, so be careful. <laughs> a ragtag group in, in one regard, but that's also um, what I would venture to say, all the more reason why you want to listen in. Uh, and if you're listening in and you think of other people that you think would do well to want to hear this, please call them up, send them a message, text them, let them know. Uh, we're talking faith, hope, and charity, Real Presence Live. It'd be great. That being said, uh, Steve, I'm going to I'm gonna pass it on to you if you want to get this ball rolling. Sure, absolutely happy to do it. If you want to join us, folks, you can pull out your catechism. Uh, the Catholic Church, we're going to be focusing on paragraphs 1803 starting there. And if you don't have a catechism, you can look it up on the Internet. Mm-hmm. It's very available. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm learning, uh, my kids and I, and I, my wife and I, every morning we read seven paragraphs from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it's so accessible and it's so exciting, something to meditate on. So I invite you into that reflection on our faith. I'd like to start with paragraph 1803, um, and I'm going to read it to you. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And we're going to start this conversation, folks, this first 10 minutes or so, on the conversation of what is virtue. And I just want to start out with this little background um, kind of in the middle of the night, the Lord woke me up and started talking about this, or somebody woke me up and talked about it. Um, the word virtue starts with the, t- the three letters V-I-R, which actually in Latin is man. And, and really the sense of virtue, as I was kind of meditating on this in the middle of the night, is that sense of real man, right? Man at his best. Mm-hmm. That's what virtue is, man at his best. Brad, can you... Elaborate a little bit on yeah, that. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. That I, I think of the the catechism sites. I think it's Saint Irenaeus where it talks about the glory of God is man fully alive, and really virtue is a, a sort of fullness of life for man. It's it's man becoming what he's made to be, right? Because um, one of the things that we understand in our faith is that um, while we might have the, the the false notion at times, or, or we're presented with the false notion that, you know, to be yourself, you have to be able to express yourself. Whatever comes to your mind, whatever you feel like doing, like, that's freedom, right? But but the reality is that um, sin actually obscures our humanity, and that, that as we become more virtuous, we actually become more human, more man, more the man that we're made to be, and that's why Jesus, honestly, was more of a man that any of the rest of us are, because he was a man without sin. Tom, you had a thought. Yeah, I'm. I'm just thinking as I look at this, it talks about the the habits and the habitual form mm-hmm. of, of virtue, and it, there's an intentionality to it, as as Brad says, we're the the man we're we're meant to be, but we all know that we're not the men we're meant to be. We all know that we're we're somewhat short short of that, but as we focus on these on these virtues and we focus on these these habits, uh, our our failings become less. Mm-hmm. And, and our and our virtues become stronger, and that leads us to the to the next the next virtues of of of, of hope and and, and joy. Mm-hmm. I I really like how you started that off, Steve. When you talked about how you get at the root root root, root word <laughs> of virtue, vir, you know, because really when that's expanded on, even um, some of what I understand is what that means is like it's man and Brad how you articulated like the fullness of man, mm-hmm. uh, how it's really found in Jesus Christ. 
when it's expanded on virtue, it's manliness. Another kind of uh, derivative with it and from it is also you, the courage is tied in. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how, what does it mean? Like within the word is the calling of who and what we're supposed to be. Right. And I think one thing that's important to mention too, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, we got a, a men's round table here, but this isn't just men. And, and likewise with virtue, exactly. that virtue isn't simply a man's thing. When, when we speak about man in this context, it means mankind. It means man uh, as God's creation, male and female, he created them, that the two together really form the one creation of man, right? Exactly. No, it's Brad, beautiful. And this, that's part of it is how we, what we're called to uh, in and of itself you're right, the, the, the efficaciousness of the word virtue. Who knew we'd be launching into virtue like this this morning? <laughs> but really, like, that's really where it is. It's so important with the English language. And this is part of my, uh, or when I was like, hey, I have something to add to this. The importance of our language and vocabulary and words, it's so important. And that's one of the things that really is being lost on our culture today. Not, not just today. Mm-hmm. It's been an evolutionary process of how it's getting lost on us. And so... One of my favorite little kind of, I want to say pastimes, because it's not like I'm well, that well-versed in it, but I really like to study like etymology, to know what the words mean. And so Latin provides such a gift in that for us. Yeah. And so this is just one word, virtue, uh, vir. But anyway, that's, that's, that's my thoughts for now. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and for, so let's just take it to the second half of, I mean, we could... <laughs> I think we could do a whole show on a few paragraphs in the chat because, sure. folks, Absolutely. we won't belabor it for you. But the second part of that, I think, is, you know, obviously we, we start talking um, on the philosophical level, but then how does that apply to us? And right away, right, right after that in paragraph 1803, a virtue is a habitual and firm disposition to do the good. It allows the person not only to perform good acts, but to give the best of himself. Okay, so sometimes we're thinking virtue is just about act right we're acting and, and moving forward but it really has goes back to being the best the, yeah. our best selves right tom mm-hmm. can you talk yeah. a little bit about that well i i think we all have a tendency to be self-centered and that's where this is the practice of these virtues really brings us out of ourselves and we start to focus on that other person that other person's needs in whatever situation we're at work whether it's a co-worker or, or a friend you know co- conflict arises and how, how do we respond to that person to the good and mm-hmm. it isn't necessarily my good Mm-hmm. Is that other person's good? Can I truly love that person? And in this situation, even if I have to make a correction or something like that, am I doing it for the good and the good of that person? Well, if we jump down to paragraph 1804 at the very bottom, or actually halfway through, the virtuous man is he who freely practices the good. Right. Freely is a I think key that's word. A big thing. I remember having a class uh, on on the ethics, and uh, we went, read through Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, and which is kind of the foundation that St. Thomas Aquinas uses in, in his treatment of virtue. And it was one of the things that was really stunning to me was that there, there was the example presented when we talk about, like, this, a virtue is a, a habitual and firm disposition to do the good. So the, the uh, scenario is laid out that you have someone, you have two men who walk by a desk where there's a $20 bill sitting there with no one around. And, and the one guy sees the $20 bill, and, um, and he has a great attraction toward it, but he knows that it's not good. He knows that that's not the right thing to do. And so kind of has a sort of self-mastery and, and, and reels in himself and chooses not to do that. The other guy walks by and sees a $20 bill, and he has no interest in it, really. He has no inclination. That's someone else says, I'm not going to worry about it. And, and so the, the professor asked the question, well, which one had the greater virtue? And, you know, my first inclination was, well, the guy who really fought the battle and, and won. But he's like, no. The guy who had no attraction toward the evil 
was the one who actually had the great, the real virtue. Virtue has a certain ease with it. As we practice this firm disposition, this habit, it becomes just part of who we are. That's what makes us actually virtuous. Is that like this is this is who we are? This is a, basically the way that I encounter the world. Is and and in eighteen oh four, it talks about how they make possible ease, self mastery, and joy in leading a morally good life. And and that's where practice comes in. You know, we we are able to identify what that good is. We know what that good is, but it's it's not part of our our nature, our particular nature. And there comes that intentionality again as as we practice. And, and keep seeking those opportunities to do that good, then it becomes that second nature, and we are that gentleman mm-hmm. that doesn't give it a second thought. I want to follow up something on what you said earlier, Tom. You talked about uh, <laughs> it, the difficulty because we're selfish, you know, the tendency just to be, we're very aware of what we think we need, right? And there's something in there, there is kind of a survival mode, you know, so there is a basis to need in survival mode, but I think way too quickly, in the venture of trying to live a virtuous life, uh, to be to be made to live how we are made, this idea of what we think we need, it, it's out of order. Mm-hmm. It's disordered, and and that's kind of that fallen nature, uh, fallen grace, the fall of man. And, and so, what am I saying? Someone can ask the question. So, are you saying uh, part of the fall of man is the instinct to survive? No, no. But really, how high on the priority list of the things do we think we need? Do we put that? You know, and that, that's part of what I'm getting at, what I appreciated. In the pursuit of a virtuous life, um, we really need to put ourselves last. And that's when they talk about joy. Maybe we've heard the acronym, and it's cheesy, but I love it. It's Jesus, others, and yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, how often are we putting ourselves in front of Jesus or in front of others in that pursuit of virtuousness? I think that's a good point, Mark. And I actually, going back to one of the things is, is you mentioned, is it fallen man's um, is it part of fallen man that we want to survive? Hmm. No, but is it part of is it part of our fallen nature that we want to survive at the expense of others? Right, mm. right. And so that's the next piece. Of course, we'll get to that later. But uh, if you just joined us, we're talking about virtue this hour. And I know some of this conversation might be a little heady, folks. But we're just common men here. We're just common folk. I'm a farm boy. Um, you know, suburbia. Mark, yeah, suburbia. <laughs> Tom, where? What's your background? Uh, I'm a registered nurse. Okay, but you grew up in Crystal, North Crystal, Dakota. Crystal, North Dakota, small town, North Dakota, yeah. Right, and Brad, you grew up out in the country outside of Osage, Minnesota, raising chickens. Yeah, and for many years, he was a, he was a carpenter, yeah. folks. We're not sitting here, we're not these, you know, we're, we're not theologians. Yeah. Um, we're just common men really trying to follow Christ, and so we're inviting you, and uh, sorry, ladies, I don't mean to leave you out of the conversation, uh, but sometimes we feel like our mission is to bring the men along because— Unfortunately, us men have been lazy over the years, and so we want to invite we want to invite ourselves back. Um, we're going we are going to head to a little break here, but don't go anywhere. We're going to continue this conversation, um, and and up next, we're going to dig into the three theological virtues, um, and 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 talk a little more about faith. We just talked about virtue in general, but faith, and we talked about this at the top of the hour. But what are the two other virtues? And if you got your catechism, pull it out, chapter paragraph eighteen oh three, and look that up. But before uh, we return. We'll be talking about this, and you'll be thinking about it, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Does someone who takes their own life automatically go to hell? I'm Father Chris Alar. In 1993, my grandmother took her life, and for years I carried this burden because she committed a grave sin and had no time to repent. But the Church states that certain mental conditions may reduce the responsibility of one who takes their own life. You are only eternally lost if you die in an unrepentant state of mortal sin. And for a sin to be mortal, three conditions must be present. And one of those conditions is complete free will. I don't believe many people freely want to take their life. So there is hope for their salvation. To learn more, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning, everybody. This is Real Presence Live. My name is Steve Smolenskowski, along with Mark Holcraft. And we are talking virtue this morning, folks. And we appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and for returning with us to this conversation. The first hour really talked about virtue uh, in that sense of that really it's man, mankind at its best. Virtue is mankind at its best. And we're going to move now into a, a little bit uh, of the details. But, Brad, you wanted to wrap something sure. up. Sure. Yeah. And as we were discussing the, the virtues and uh, how virtue, is a firm habit. It's a habit toward the good. It's a, a sort of predisposition. And some people have that naturally in certain areas. Like they just, they're just good people, right? In many ways. Others of us, we really have to struggle in that respect. Um, but I, I want to make sure that no one is kind of absenting themselves like that's, that's other people. I really kind of have that battle. Uh, 1804 at the bottom, paragraph 1804 at the bottom, it says the moral virtues are acquired by human effort. They are the fruit and seed of morally good acts. They dispose all the powers of the human being for a communion with divine love. Now, this we're talking here, there are a couple of distinctions that need to be made. We, we've talked about how virtue, generally speaking, generically speaking, is this firm disposition toward the good. It's a, it comes with a sort of ease and joy. Uh, that's what virtue is in general. Human virtues are things that we acquire by, hum- by, by effort, by human effort, by good acts, repeating them over and over again so that they become natural for us, right? That's to be distinguished from the theological virtues that we're going to be talking about now. The theological virtues are not acquired by human effort. How are they acquired, Steve? 
By grace. By grace. And when, when do we acquire those? Baptism, the sacraments. Exactly. I mean, it's the... the yeah, I got it right. Took it <laughs> candy. The, the three theological virtues uh, of faith, hope, and love are something that, that are infused in us by God at, at our baptism. And so they're, they're something that we can cooperate with more, but we don't acquire them by our human effort. And that's a, that's a big distinction to be made. But we, we can uh, collaborate with them, right? We mm-hmm. use them, we move forward in, in that, right? Right, absolutely. So, so let's move to that first one, the, the first theological virtue of faith. And if you were thinking, what are the other two? Here's the answer, hope and charity. We'll get to those in a little bit. But uh, again, we're going to move to paragraph 1814 in your catechism. Do we take a little trip in 1814? Yeah, Sounds like a song. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's uh, a little bit of definition of, of faith. Uh, Mark, you want to kind of start us off with maybe a, a layman's uh, understanding of faith? Well, my first instinct was the, was the Therese of Lisieux, the, the belief of uh, the belief without seeing, mm. right? Uh, I think that's what the catechism quotes mm-hmm. her as, uh, as far as faith. Mm. Um, so that's where my mind first went, um, to believe in something without seeing. Um, as I think of further about faith, I also contemplate uh, more as a way of knowing, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe that's more in retrospect to our culture because there's such a high value on uh, knowing through science, knowing through opinion, even knowing through life experience. But faith is another way of knowing. So to know, to, in this case, to know God. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, Thomas recently, right, we just read in the gospel coming off of Easter here that uh, he says, blessed are those who have not seen but believe, which is faith without speaking of Thomas. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, we, we all can doubt. We can all, all, all fall, fall short of what we believe in faith. But, you know, um, just that faith is, is, also gives us that trust, that trust in those things that we can't see, uh, trust in those things that the church and, and, the, and Jesus promises to us in, in our future. Um, you know, I think, in, in, again, further down in paragraph 1814, it really says, through faith, and for this reason, believers seek to know and do God's will. And I guess for me, um, that might be the deepest understanding for, of faith for me is just on a daily basis trying to do God's will. And I remember in spiritual direction, uh, when I was discerning at one point in my life a, a, a path, and I went to my spiritual director and said, okay, here's what I want to do, but I feel like the Lord wants me to do this. Is it possible that the Lord wants me to do the one thing that, I'm, that I feel a, you know, a strong inclination towards. And he said, have you been praying that your will might be aligned with the Lord's will? I said, yeah. He goes, so if he does that and he answers your prayer, is that possible? Yes. Okay. So if you're praying for that, if you're praying that your, your will is aligned with the Lord's and he does it, then thank him and move forward in faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that, me, for me, um, just trying to align my will with the Lord's will is faith for me. That's yeah. Mark. Yeah. It would, it, how often is that our prayer? How often do we hear, you know, again, I, I lean back to, we've all, we all have been in a position of ministry where we're reaching out to others, evangelizing others. How often is the prayer, especially amongst single people, to know God's will? Lord, help me to know your will. How often do we really pray that? I think we pray it a lot, maybe more than we realize. And so, and yet then <laughs> once the Lord answers it, whether it's with a yes or a no, how quick we second guess or question, not only what we believe the answer to be, but then also we question the fruits of prayer, the fruits of that conversation, that, that communion with God. And so I, I love your example is, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's not that you were saying that you, that you were doubting or second guessing, but to seek that clarity. You know, you invited somebody else in, you know, and I think that's also another aspect of faith, that to enhance our faith, to increase our faith, 
to surround ourselves with men and women who would also strive a virtuous life to help increase our faith? Those are my thoughts. Brad, you look like you're thinking. Yeah, no, I, I just, um, I think it's such a, a profound reality that God <laughs> realizes the depth of our need. I mean, and I say this from the standpoint of the recognition that faith is a theological virtue. It's something that God places in us, that the Holy Spirit continues to cultivate and work in us because he knows how prone we are to unfaithfulness. You know, that, that, um, so, so you could look at faith from a couple different angles, right? One is, and the Catechism in 1814 starts off with, faith is the theological virtue by which we believe in God and believe all that he has said and revealed to us and that the Holy Spirit proposes for our be- belief because he is truth itself. So there's the, the faith that, that adheres to God uh, as, sort, as sort of an assent of the, of the will and the heart. But there's also the aspect, uh, and you see this in, in Latin, right? Faith, uh, fide, also means faithfulness. Right there's a sort of um, it's also so the 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 belief in God and the um, the adhering to that is also reflected in how we live and how we live out the commands that Jesus said you know if if you love me then you will keep my commands um, and I just think it's so profound and beautiful that God's like okay you poor little things. I'm going to give you all of this truth. I'm going to reveal the Father's heart to you. I'm going to reveal the way to heaven. But you guys can't even be trusted with that. So I'm also going to give you the Holy Spirit inside of you, working within you to help you to be faithful, to help you to believe. I'm going to, I'm going to, take, I'm going to do the heavy lifting here. I'm going to carry the cross. Uh, and I, I just ask you to participate with that, to be a part of that, you know? Well, and we talked earlier about about the the other virtues and how how it becomes a habit. And and yes, faith is is one of those virtues that we're given, but it also is something that we can work on as well. It mm-hmm. becomes part of our habit. And so we get up every day, and I'm going to believe, and and I'm going to ask for more faith, and I'm going to trust in you more, and I'm going to, and and then it, that just grows within us, and then it becomes that that habit, that 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 second nature to us that this is how we live our life, mm-hmm. and we live our life in that faith and trust in the Lord. Well, and we talk a little bit, uh, Tom, paragraph 1815, you know, in their faith apart from works is dead. So it's kind of like the Lord gives us these gifts, but if we don't respond to them, they're dead. Mark? Well, my mind was going there as well. It's the very next paragraph, 1815, and it's taken from James chapter 2, which is just, side note, one of the things I absolutely love about the catechism is everything is drenched in Scripture. Mm -hmm. So if we wonder where is this rooted in, by what authority does it come by? Um, it's by the authority of Jesus, <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, back in from the tangent, <laughs> uh, faith apart from works is dead. Um, I think what I also would want to be mindful of that is a lot of times people, people's faith is expressed in their actions. But what I frankly weary of is these actions expressed without faith. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times I think one of the, uh, struggles of our culture and time is that uh, faith seems passive. Faith seems hmm. that it's um, inactive, that it's not going to do what we need to do. And then I hear that quite often in and outside the church. It's not going to do what we need to do right now. We need to do this. And all of a sudden it becomes egocentric mm-hmm. again, because it becomes, you know, me centered. Mm-hmm. Here's what I can do or people centered. And really, the only grace, only only anything that's good is going to come when that movement begins with God. And so our act of faith and our actions that stem from faith is first because God moved. Yeah. And I think the, the one thing of what you're talking about there that strikes me is 
at the heart of that notion, like, okay, faith is fine, but we actually need to do something. At the heart of that notion, if you really examine, if we examine ourselves sincerely, what we're saying there is, I don't really believe that God cares about this as much as I care about this. Yeah. Right? That I don't really think that you are as invested in this, Lord, as I am. And so I need to do something. We can we can sit there and talk about faith and all of that, but we need action here. And we somehow think, we fool ourselves into thinking that my indignation somehow accomplishes the righteousness of God. And, and, and we're, we're fools. Because, first of all, to think that God cares less about these, these realities that we confront than that we do. And that, you know, we are called into action. But we're called into action as a response to God's call, not as a response to our own anger. Our, I think if I could jump into that, yeah. and I, I just interrupted you. I'm yeah, no, sorry. Go, go for it. But what stands out to me is you, you just gave a great definition, Brad, from uh, righteousness and self-righteousness. What's the difference? You know, that, 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 that our indignation is something that, you know, how did you put it? Shoot, uh, that yeah. our indignation indignation. Does not accomplish the, not, the righteousness of God. Right. That would be a self-righteousness. Right. Which is the righteousness of God. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think it's so important when we speak about the, the theological virtues of faith, um, they're not something where we just sit around and think happy thoughts about God, um, nor are they something that we uh, we make them better uh, because we're, we're really practicing this. In the, the, the primary way to grow in the theological virtues is, first of all, to accept them, to receive them. But then also to to especially through the sacramental life, you know that that as because it's a fruit of grace, it is God's action within us that we want to tap into that more fully. And the irony is that the people who have been the most effective in changing the world are the people who have been the most tapped into God. Brad, I, I, we, there's so much more that could be said. <laughs> and, and, and I see Steve's pulling out of scripture. He's he's winding up to pull something out. Uh, but we do need to take a break here in just a moment. And so we'll continue the discussion on the virtues. We're going to kind of wrap up the conversation about faith and dive into hope and charity. And just as we step away, consider this. What are some things that can steal and take away your hope? And what does our Lord say to us about that? We'll talk about this and more when we return with Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you been awakened? Has Real Presence Radio impacted your life? Then you'll need to be sure and listen in May 4th through May 7th to our Spring Live Drive. Be on the lookout for our schedule to know when some of your favorite priests, hosts, and guests will all be on during this four-day family reunion. We can't wait to hear from you May 4th through the 7th for our Spring Live Drive. Uh, Seven years ago, my wife and I and four of our kids, um, one, well, five of our kids, one was still inside uh, Mama at the time. We felt something was missing in our in our faith life, in our in our church where we were, and we went through a period of kind of being in the wilderness. Over that period of searching, God led us to uh, to St. Mary's, and we began a journey of conversion. Uh, went through RCIA here at the Cathedral Parish, and uh, there was no turning back once once we went down that road. And and I, I tell lots of people that. 
what if you are a devout Christian and you begin this process with an open mind to learn what the Catholic Church has to say about herself, uh, it will be hard to resist her. And uh, and we found that to be the case, and we have been thrilled and exuberant Catholics ever since. As a sole provider, the needs of my growing family are something I pray for daily. I know continuing my education will benefit my family in the end, but I worry about what I'll miss while doing so. University of Mary knows that choosing to continue your education at this point in life can be both challenging and rewarding. That's why we've created a robust portfolio of truly affordable, truly flexible, and truly formative online programs to make choosing easy. Visit us at catholicprofessional.life. That's dot L-I-F-E. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Mark Holcraft hosting with Steve Splonskowski. And we're talking virtues, theological virtues. We just are wrapping up conversation surrounding theological virtue of faith. And over the break, Steve was just sharing, uh, I think the Holy Spirit was prompting Psalm 37, huh, Steve? Can you say more about that? Yeah, you know, so we were talking about righteousness and self-righteousness and, indi- and indignatious, um, indignation moving us forward. Um, and for that, I've always been drawn to this Psalm 37. It's something that comes up often in the office of the readings. Um, and, and the first uh, anaphon there is, surrender and the Lord will do everything for you. And then it goes through Psalm 37, and it just, you know, it blows my mind. So if when the next time you feel frustrated about what's going on in the world, and, you, and you're looking up to the heavens going, are you going to do something about this? Pull out Psalm 37. Um, for me, it has been, a kind of just sat me back down in the chair and said, oh, I do see all the things you're doing, Lord. <laughs> Thank you for the reminder. And knowing that with a lot of times when we move forward in anger, we actually create more problems um, rather than moving forward in peace. Um, and speaking about that piece over the before the break here, Mark, you asked the question. So, you know, if we what 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 are the things that steal our our hope and take away our hope, and uh, and what does the Lord say about that? And we can go to Luke uh, chapter eight verse fifty and Mark uh, chapter five verse thirty six, where the Lord says, "Fear is useless. What is needed is trust." I, I just love the word "useless" there because I mean, <laughs> it's like I'm looking at my junk pile. That's useless. I'm looking at my burn pile. That's useless. And the fear is that, then I don't want to be, I don't want to be in that. Yeah, no, it's a great insight. Great insight. You know, I'm going to, I want us to move on. We talked about faith and we're going to, we're going to dive in a little bit about hope. Okay. And hope we're looking at, and refer to your catechism paragraphs, 18, 17 through 18, 21. Okay. But as we talk hope, I just want to, I'm going to open up right from paragraph 18, 17. Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Um, If you've been paying attention to our conversation, you're going to see that there's a definite and clear overlap. You know, as we talk faith, hope, and love, they're meant to overlap each other. And so as we discuss hope, placing our trust in Christ's promises you could say this is almost a kind of definition of faith as well, could you not? You know, so uh, I'm looking at the gentleman. If anyone's feeling moved to discuss hope, well, I, I'm I'm 
finding as I'm looking through this, the what's drawing to me is the happiness. And our culture today is searching so much for happiness. How many books are written every every year, every day, on how to make people happy? And this hope is just draws people into happiness. It draws people into joy. Um, the virtue of hope responds to the aspiration of happiness, which God has placed in the heart of every man. Happiness is there for us in that hope. I think it's a clear, and, and, and Brad, I think you can probably articulate this better. So I'll, I'll muff it up and then you can explain it better. <laughs> but uh, that idea that all, all men are moving, all persons are, are moving towards happiness. And the reason we choose something is because we think it will bring us happiness. Now, of course, sin um, and, and our darkened will and intellect makes us choose things that, are, that don't bring us to happiness. But really, uh, for myself, in dealing with my brothers and sisters in Christ, um, oftentimes with, with misunderstandings and even the evil that people do, they're choosing that because they think it will bring them happiness. They're moving towards that idea of happiness. Brad, now, yeah, now you yeah, explain absolutely. that better. No, you're, you're absolutely right. That In fact, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about how everything that we do is because we believe it is a, a means toward happiness. Now, we're, we're, we're wrong in a lot of those assessments. We choose things that are actually, they, they lead to our destruction, to our misery, um, to our agony, but man cannot, as St. Thomas says, man cannot choose a perceived evil. We get, we get screwed up what actually is an actual evil, and we choose actual evils thinking that they're going to be a good somehow. Uh, and, and so we find, I think, I think we see that all over in our culture right now. We have all sorts of ideas about what is going to lead toward happiness. Um, and, you know, I think it's very relevant to our conversation right now about virtue, because Honestly, it's completely dropped out of the conversation. We don't talk about responsibilities. We don't talk about what it means to be a good person. We talk about how I'm being offended, how I'm being uh, overlooked or, or neglected. And, you know, no doubt there's, there's human sin all over the place. It always has been from the dawn of time. Uh, but the reality is we find ourselves in the midst of a culture that is largely marked by despair. And people that live in despair do awful things. Because we think that we somehow have to, like, it's on me. I somehow have to look out for number one. I need to do right by me. Um, and hope is the exact opposite of that. The hope is the firm conviction that God has me covered. God's got me. I'm, I'm safe. I'm secure. And I think this is perhaps one of the most needed virtues of our times, is virtue of hope. Because it's, it, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And I think that unless someone really has the, the conviction that like, I'm, I'm okay, I'm, I'm covered, I'm, I'm secure, I can't really move out toward my neighbor. Because we're, we're naturally oriented, you know, from our earliest days as a baby, like the, the only thing I think about is me and how I can eat and cry and get my needs taken care of. And as we grow, we learn to start thinking about other people. Um, but it's so foundational to who we are as a human being to know that we're we're covered, we're taken care of. And unless that's in place, we're still so preoccupied with that that we really have a hard time moving out toward those around us and actually caring about our society and around the people that are in need and hurt. And so I think hope is so, so needed right now. Brad, I, I agree. And I, as far as it is one of the most needed things of our time, uh, Steve, I know you had something to say. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I was, I was just looking at the uh, paragraph 1820 and it struck me um, the sense that the line here, let us put on the breast pa- breastplate of faith and charity and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. In my mind, for me, 
Okay. And speaking of my mind, the helmet, of course, we put that on our head. And, and for me, hope begins, I suppose you could argue it begins in the heart. And, and, and the church kind of says, you know, where's the intellect in the brain or in the heart? Well, you know, there's somewhere in between the brain and the heart, right? But for me, hope has to start there, right? I see a situation and, and the catechism talks about moving forward and hope in trial. And for myself, it's when I look at a situation, I go, oh, okay, the Lord has this. And that, that's, to me, an act of hope. And, and, and so I, that helmet, that helmet, um, hope is the helmet that says, this is the lens through which I look at everything. Yeah. I look at everything in this lens of hope. And that makes everything, that changes everything for me, Mark. Well, I, you said, I think, a key word, because, uh, you know, Brad indicated, you know, the absence of faith and hope within public discourse, right? And it's one of the great harms of our time, mm-hmm. you know, and I, don't, I don't mean to say that in an ultra dramatic way, but I don't think it is ultra dramatic <laughs> in that sense. It's very real. And uh, I know for myself recently, I've, I've heard from quite a few listeners reaching out to us. There's a certain sense, like definitely there is a spirit of discouragement that is out mm-hmm. there that's running rampant, but to be able to see with the lens of hope, you know, um, it looks odd. You look out of place in that public discourse, if you will, that you would see things through a lens of hope, through a lens of faith. And yet, it doesn't mean we don't take on that lens so that we, you know, so many people are afraid to look out of place. We're afraid to stand out, and yet we are made to stand out, are we not? Mm-hmm. And so, it's one of those things. It, it's one of those trials, I think, in our everyday living, as we, you know, just go about daily life. If we're walking through downtown Fargo, Rapid City, Duluth, anywhere, where any of our listeners are, you know, there is something, and it might even come back around. I might be the dog, dog chasing the tail. I might come back around as far as the idea of um, not being confident, not not being confident. This whole um, losing train, train of thought here, a survival mode. Mm-hmm. As we were talking about earlier, um, we get we get scared. Steve, you're talking about being fearful, you know, and how that. That kind of fear is not a fear. That is not the fear of God. Mm. And so to be confident in faith, to be confident, to see things through the lens of hope, to move forward, to walk forward, to be a light in the darkness. You know, what, can, what are the ways that that looks like? I'd love to hear more thoughts. Well, I think, I think that wide road that leads us to destruction is easy to get on. And everybody's on that road of despair right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Steve, I was looking at your, your quote here, and it says, further on, it says, hope affords us joy even under trial. Rejoice in your hope and be patient in tribulation. You know, it's that it's that faith that we have in the Lord. It's that hope that He gives us and, the, and that confidence that we we can manage even under this world of despair that that surrounds us. Right. I was so uh, I was so touched in this passage that you cited. Uh, well, the Catechism cites from First Thess- Thessalonians five eight about how it says for a helmet, uh, the hope of salvation. Okay, what does a helmet do? It protects our brain. It it. it in many ways, it guards our thoughts, right? And we think of the Paul's exhortation to put on the mind of Christ, and he talks about how take every captive, every thought captive, and submit it to Christ. We need to be intentional about this. We indulge in despair, and we ought not. We live like Jesus is not Lord. Mm-hmm. We live like like we're not safe, and we got to we got to stop that. We got to cut the garbage, and start choosing like I'm going to live in hope because it's true. It's not some fancy name, uh, you know, thought, happy thought 
experiment. It's the reality of it's it's the truth of reality that the world is ruled by Jesus Christ at every moment. There's not a moment that we fall out, and that it's impossible to maintain joy if you do not have hope. Well, I think coming off of the resurrection, I mean, let's just go through uh, line by line through the Apostles' Creed and, and say, do I believe that? Do I believe that? Do I believe that? Right. If we do believe that, then how is that, how is that active in my life? Um, and we got to go to a little break here, but before we do that, I want to I jump down a little bit. Um, the end of paragraph 1821, there's a quote from Teresa of Avila, St. Teresa of Avila. And I'm just going to jump down halfway through. She says, dream. And I often think that hope is kind of like dreaming. Um, dream that the more you struggle, the more you prove the love that you bear your God, and the more you will rejoice one day with your beloved in a happiness and rapture that can never end. So to me, I get, it when, for me, hoping is dreaming that the Lord has, has this and that dreaming of what the Lord is going to do with this. So we're going to take a little break, but while we take that break, I want you to pull up 1 Corinthians 13 and consider the role of charity with us in this next segment. We'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Eleven, eleven weeks old. My many body systems are developing at the same time. My finer details like veins and arteries are forming. Like a beautiful picture coming into focus, making me look more like me. And since my fingers are separated from each other, I can open and close my hand. Can you see me waving? Hey, Dad, can you tell Mom I do not like red onions? But I do like strawberries. And guess what? This week I'm as big as a strawberry. Written by Allison Updahl. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together toward success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Hey folks, this is Real Presence Live. Steve Sponskowski here along with Mark Holcraft and in studio Brad Gray and Tom O'Creef. 
Tom Cree. Oh, I just put an R in your last name, Tom. <laughs> he folded you. <laughs> I creased you. <laughs> oh, I guess that'd be a crease. <laughs> All right. All right. So anyway, thanks uh, for joining us, folks. We're talking virtue today. The first uh, segment we were talking about the just the definition of virtue, and then we moved into the infused uh, virtues of faith, hope, and we're going to move into charity here a little bit. Over the break, I challenged you to look up First uh, Corinthians thirteen, and I really just the first line there. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy or gong or clanging cymbal. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit, but uh, Eli, over the break, you shared a little idea. You said when we hear, when you hear the word charity, what, what you think of? Yeah, I think of Roman chariot races because, you know, it's like charity and then it's like, oh, that's like a chariot and then Roman chariot races. Well, you know, and you said that, but as soon as you said that, I thought, thought of these three virtues, faith, hope, and then kind of running through the middle of those is this charity, this chariot of carrying charity. And without this chariot of charity, faith and hope really can't move forward. It's just kind of stops. And actually, uh, you know, just that kind of sense. So when you said that, there was a, this, in my, my brain, I saw this picture of charity coming forth from faith and hope. Um, and moving out into the world. So, I, I, thanks for sharing Score that. Score from Eli. There you go. From now yep. on, it's the virtue of charity. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> the virtue of charity. So, let's talk a little bit about that, folks. You know, this year I've, I've struggled a lot with charity, but I feel like it was the one thing that the Lord kept bringing me back to um, in the COVID struggle and, and talking with my children. And you know, it's like, okay, are we wearing masks? Are we not wearing masks? Are we happy with parishes being closed? Are we happy with this? Are we going to, oh my gosh. And, and everybody's saying, well, what's the truth? What's the truth? What, what's the church saying the truth? What's science saying is the truth? And I'm sitting here and, and in reflection with my children, it kind of dawned upon me that we're always looking for truth because truth leads to happiness, right? Um, but when we can't find truth, then we kind of, we search for it. But if we don't have charity in searching for it, we actually overturn the chariot. <laughs> we overturn, you know, everything, um, and we start just devouring everything around us in this anger. And I found in my heart this anger just starting to build and, and get frustrated and frustrated. And whether you have the election and blah 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 blah, and finally I was like, Lord. And He said, First Corinthians thirteen, you are being a sounding gong, son. You are being a sound. Step back. Approach all things in charity. Now, for me, and I want, if you guys could speak into this, for me, charity begins in my heart and in my mind. And I felt like the Lord saying, you know, I'd be listening to somebody saying, well, this and this, you know, they're saying something, and I'm in my head, oh, this person is, and the Lord's like, do not finish that sentence. This person is a daughter of God. A exactly. God. Or, yeah, <laughs> right. exactly, stop, stop, because don't even allow yourself to think an uncharitable thought. For me, that's where it begins. Mark? Well, I've always processed, and I love the scripture verse, you're talking in 1 Corinthians 13, being an evangelist, I often process that in the sense of, okay, what am I sharing? I might share this great truth or a great point, not because it's mine, because it's Jesus, but I might share it with a kind of um, uppityness, if you will. Like, look what I know. Or, um, and so I'm more mindful of like to communicate it with charity, not falsely, not fakely, but like engage it, engage what it is that, that we're speaking of. So Mark, what is it that you're speaking of? Speak it with charity, share it with charity. I also like what you said regarding that, that head and heart, because one of the phrases I've learned a while ago from a priest friend of mine, you have this, we have a head knowledge and we all know head knowledge. We also have a heart knowledge. And I think that charity is the fullness of both that head and heart knowledge where they meet and how that gets communicated. And what's communicated is authenticity. You know? So I think it, it makes sense then. Yes. We're, I might be so up on myself as I communicate this great profound truth 
of Jesus, um, but to do so in such a way that belittles or isolates or might even put people feel like they're on the outskirts. Um, then it's so that's how I've mostly processed it. So now, though, processing as a, as a recipient because we're receiving so much, there's so much happening in the culture coming at us from all kinds of directions. You know, some might say it's kind of the perfect storm because of the climate of of the political nature of things of of COVID uh, and just the the downfall of virtue, so to say, as we've been talking about. And yet, to keep it at the forefront, all things in charity. Anyway, that's this has been a great reminder for me. Tom, I mean, you work in, in yep. charitable works every day. Yep. Well, I, I want to just say that uh, a while back in one of my men's groups, one of the, we we're having one of these discussions, heated debates about the, the climate of the world. And one of the, my brothers told to me, we as Christians are to respond to these things differently. We're supposed to respond in charity. And that was one of those, uh, you know, silence the car moments mm. where all of a sudden everybody got put in their place as we started thinking about that. And, and you talked earlier about being a beacon of light. In this world, and, and what is that light? What is that wick that lights that candle? And, and it's our charity, and that's what attracts people to us. Is the way we respond differently uh, to these things, and that 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 uh, that situation has a dramatic effect in me over the last three months. Hmm. As I looked at my life, how do I respond in charity? This is the way that I live my faith. This is the way that I experience my hope. Yeah, I think. You know, we're kind of in a point like the church was at the beginning, um, you know, where, where we have a culture with all sorts of different understandings of what constitutes right interactions amongst its citizens and so on. Um, and you hear about how the early Romans were touched by the Christians. They say, see how they love one another, right? Like that was the thing that caught the attention. There was something so different here instead of kind of the dog-eat-dog type of world where I'm always looking out for myself. And you know, uh, in the passage that you were citing there, Stephen, First Corinthians thirteen, it talks about how you know the, the faith, hope, and charity abide these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Um, and and we know that charity is actually the only one that endures into eternal life. Faith and hope pass away because they're you can't uh, you, we don't need faith or hope any longer when we're in the presence of in communion with God Himself. We don't need to hope in Him when we've we've already attained that for which we hoped previously. But charity is really the very life of God living in us. I mean, St. John says in his first letter uh, that God is love, right? And so when we're living out charity, it's we're living with the very mind and heart of God. We're looking at the individual, the situation, whatever it might be, with God's own mind. It's, um, it's as if we do put on the mind of Christ, and that's it. And it's not. And I don't mean to say it as if, like, oh, it's kind of like that. It's it's the reality that we actually have God's own dispositions within us. We have we get to see things as God sees. That's that's the lens that charity provides. Brad, as you're talking, I, paragraph eighteen twenty three jumps out to me, and so a little bit into the paragraph by loving one another, the disciples imitate the love of Jesus, which they themselves receive. Mm. And that's, that's what comes to mind as you're talking. It's by virtue of what we receive, can we even be that which we desire? Right. You know, in charity. And we often, we often, you know, we've already done it today. We've exchanged the word charity with love, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so it, by virtue of that, which we desire, and yet, and yet that's what we're made for. So for those who say, well, I'm just not made that way. Actually, I disagree. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you are made that way. 
my, maybe we need to remove some things that stand in the way of that, but we are made that way. We're made for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I would I jump a little further, Mark, down quite a bit further, actually. But, you know, oftentimes I like to use that or refer back to the line that you will know them by their fruits. In paragraph 1829, the fruits of charity are joy, peace, and mercy. Um, you know, charity demands beneficence, which is goodness, basically, and fraternal correction. So, I mean, you're not looking. Char- charity doesn't mean, you know, let people do what they want to do. It does mean fraternal correction. Mm-hmm. But if done correctly, the fruits are joy, peace, and mercy. I think so often in the church, we're really good with justice, mm-hmm. right? We're really good with justice. I want justice for this. Justice, justice, justice. And the Lord says, what about mercy? And, of course, the resurrection is all about mercy. Um, perfect justice, but perfect mercy. Mm-hmm. And how the heck does that, you know, we'll, we'll know that later uh, in the next life. But I think oftentimes we need to back up. At least I have to back up in every conversation and say, okay, what was the fruit of this conversation? If it wasn't joy, if it wasn't peace, if it wasn't mercy, then I didn't have charity. And so I need to look at this again. And that's, that's how I, you know, for myself can be tested. Tom? I was able to speak to a group of men here just before Lent. And, and, and I started out about... Um, being non judgmental, but it kind of it's kind of swung into charity as I've been looking at this in my life. And as we talked about the confidior and preparing for confession and what I have done and what I haven't done, and the, the, what I haven't done has always a little bit of been a struggle for me. But as I I embrace this concept of charity, it just opened that up for me. You know, as I do my examine at night, what what I haven't done was I Christ like today with in my charity? Was I Christ like today with charity with my wife? Was I did I did I have charity at work? in those situations. And it's just, it's dramatically changed uh, how I, I, I live my life. And I think uh, the, the, the summation for myself is in approaching all things, assume that the person you're talking to is looking for happiness. They see this as a happiness and that's why they're choosing it. And the only way you can talk to them is say, this isn't going to bring happiness. And let me show you that. That has helped me to just say, okay, this person is not evil. They're not intrinsically evil. They're not choosing evil knowingly. They're choosing it unknowingly. So how can I help them understand that? Right. And I think, you know, it is important to acknowledge that there are people that are promoting things that are, are intrinsically evil, and we need to oppose those actions. But we we can't indulge in the hatred that marks our time. Like, the, that's perhaps one of the most distressing things about the decay of our culture is the inability to actually encounter someone who has an other perspective and, and, and dialogue with them as another human being. We flip too easily into demonizing the other and um, and that's that's distressing. So we need to actually understand that this is my brother, my sister, someone that I love. I might have to oppose what they're doing right now, but I cannot indulge in the hatred that marks our our society right now. And what is the scripture that where justice and mercy kiss? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, uh, the embrace? Yeah. And so I, I I feel like that's almost a summary of what we're talking about. Um, but Brad, I I really appreciate just your closing comment. If we cannot give in to that. Mm-hmm. And by not giving in, what do we do? We need to lean in. We need to lean into Jesus. Guys, it's been amazing to have this roundtable conversation with you guys. Uh, I love it. Um, and I hope it's Fun. been fruitful. Speaking Absolutely. of uh, fruitful, bearing fruit, hopefully it's been fruitful for our listeners. Um, in the next uh, segment, we're actually, we're blessed. We're moving from a group of men and we're inviting in a couple ladies, um, a couple ladies that Steve and I find to be very wise. <laughs> they have insight on how these conversations can tra- translate into family life. So as we step away, two minutes, think about this question. How do I see virtue in action in my life? 
and with my interactions with others? Where can I do better? We are pondering those questions right along with you as we take this break. 